1: hallelujah hallelujah Jesus is Lord the Lord is in the house thank you Jesus you know something hallelujah is the highest praise and it's the same in every language across the globe so when we say here people are saying it everywhere China India Africa they are all saying the same hallelujah And it means what? The highest. And of the highest of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus is Lord. The King of Kings is in the house. Glory to his name. And we give him the highest praise. We worship and adore him. We bow before his throne. He is worthy of all the praise. Glory to his name. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, 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 you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Robert Charles. Thank you, Jesus. My name is Patience Hagen. And I'm here to read the the psalm for today. Psalm 62, verses 5 to 12. Yes, my soul first rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to Him. For God is our refuge. Surely, the low-born are but a breath; the high-born are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in exhaustion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken. Two things I have heard. Power belongs to God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. Hallelujah. What I love about this passage is that it says that once God has spoken, once God has spoken, but twice we have. Because we have two years. And it says the power belongs to God. All power. All power is His. And He has given us the power. So today we're going to submit to his Lordship and worship him. Father, we worship and adore you. Jesus, we enthrone you. Holy Spirit, you are the river of life. Flow through us and manifest yourself. We love on you. Hallelujah.
0: All right, so just as you're standing there, just put yourself in a posture right now where you can absorb and really lock into the fact that God is present with us. And that he desires to be with us more than we desire to be with him. Something disarming about that. Something freeing to know that in whatever the most we've ever wanted to pursue Jesus, he's wanted to pursue us more. Something so freeing, when it starts from him, we really get to absorb that he first loved us so that we can love others. Break our hearts to stop trying to earn your love by loving others, Father or earn your love by doing things. Help our foundation to be in the fact that Jesus is death and resurrection. So we just say yes to you today, Father, like Mary did. Yes. Don't say this every week, but there does feel like there is kind of a uniqueness of Jesus today for us as God's people, as His family. So we put on a posture to receive from you, Jesus. We put on a posture to absorb from you everything that you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. place your hand over your heart and finalize this prayer. We, just, we ask, Lord, that you would be enthroned upon our hearts. That as we're tempted to fight the battles of this world, even today, as we talk through governmental things in our society, as we're tempted to fight those battles, that we would see you enthroned well beyond it, over and above it. God of all, we trust in you, Jesus. Can I say about Dr. Karen? Um, if I had a terrible situation pop up in life and I needed advice or wisdom, she would be one of the top two to three people I call for sure. Right there at the top, outside of family. And she has a specific, Bill, you're asking if I would call you? I would probably have someone call you and gather the input. Bill, you're right up there too. You're fourth. So, Dr. Karen. Um, there's, so I've always been pretty particular about the voices I let speak into our, our lives as a family and then our lives as a church, um, being inundated with ministry and in youth ministry for so long and seeing some things I disliked and then really finding the things I loved. She is not any of the things I dislike and a lot of the things I really love. And when it comes to River City, she's one of the voices that I believe God has provided for us to speak into us. And so when I asked her to speak this week, and I never do that last minute, I never do that last minute, I felt like I was supposed to, I knew that she would have something for us, and so I just ask that you would, that you would welcome her, of course, by the way that we listen and pay attention, but that you would also open your hearts to receive from the Holy Spirit, from Jesus, from God, however you want to phrase it, through what she's about to share with us. And that you wouldn't put the emphasis on her, but know that it's the Jesus in her. And that's what I love about her so much, is she's quick to point to that. So, do you have a mic, Dr. Karen? Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome Dr. Karen to the stage.
2: So, um, good to be here. Let me get situated. And um, while I'm getting situated, I've been in a, uh, I have been first want to say some of my favorite people um, are with me part of my God community and who represent our ministry, also Directions by Bridges. They are here, and I just want to honor them because they're going to be serving you in prayer at the end of the service. And um, so would you all just stand quickly so people could see who you are? Um, When I say I feel naked without them, I, I mean that. We um, we've been in God community together for ten years, and um, in that time period, God has forged our hearts together, and we've learned to do ministry together. And they're my right arm, my left arm, my right leg, my left leg. They're my brain half the time, and um, I really appreciate and value them. the The most um, valuable is the cute one right here, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> So if you'll stand and let everybody see how pretty you are, Rick. (laughs) Uh, I'm so grateful for my husband. And um, I appreciate uh, Pastor Josh and Sarah inviting me today. Um, uh, The Lord did give me a message. And um, I, I was aware that you might be in transition for a location but I wasn't aware that the deadline was this week, so I I find it humorous um, what I'm gonna be sharing. This will apply individually and corporately. Um, I hope you will receive the message individually uh, because I feel the heart of Jesus burning to get this message to you, and um, it is his heart. I wanna put a disclaimer for Bill. I uh, sent him quite a few scriptures Last time I was here, I sent him a book, and he got them all up. I didn't send him a book this time. But this morning, some other um, scriptures were coming to my mind, and they won't be in the slide presentation. And so if you have a Bible, it's a great opportunity to actually use it and uh, look at it if I refer to those scriptures. Um, So we'll see how this message goes. And... um, We'll just see how the Lord leads this. I need to know what time I'm supposed to end. Josh, what time am I supposed to end? (laughs) All right, I did take it off so I can look at it. We'll see how that goes. All right, my message today is called Unstuck. It's called Unstuck. And um, the concept of that is if you are to be unstuck, it implies you've gotten stuck. I am not a theologian. This is not going to be real deep. This is going to be simple, but it's biblical, it's accurate, and it's the heart of the Lord, okay? So um, unstuck implies we can be stuck. And I am talking to the body of Christ. I'm not talking to sinners. And the Bible was written to the body of Christ. Okay? 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 12. I'm going to focus on one part of that, verse 9. And actually just one part of that verse, for we know in part. We know in part. Now, right now I'm about ready to shout because this used to be a source of frustration to me, but this is the best news I've gotten in years, is that I know in part, and God knows I know in part. Meaning, he has a plan for the other part that I don't know. So, We know in part, Proverbs 25, 2 states, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Did you know we're kings? We are kings and priests called to God. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 states, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Matthew 6, 32, 34. For the pagans run after all these things. Pagans, that means godless people, people who don't know God, and they chase whatever belief they want to chase. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And he's talking about the things that sustain everyday life. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Is it a week y'all have to make this decision? Okay, that's the corporate word. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. All of these passages are talking about a knowledge, information, a realm, and a kingdom that is not natural, that is beyond what we know and what we perceive with our five senses. In other words, God is saying there are two parallel universes, like the matrix, the original matrix. And you can have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand and perceive. You can ask me, and I will answer you, or you can stay stuck in the natural, in the temporal, and conclude your circumstances are the beginning and the end, defined by what you see. John Eldridge states in Waking the Dead things are not what they appear. Do you know how much hope is in the fact things are not what they appear? Are you kidding me? Look around, go on 285. (laughs) I am glad that 285 does not define the beginning and the end. For me, any day, right? C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, if you read history, you will find the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next world. I'm gonna read that again. (laughs) If you read history, you will find the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next world. There's another world. There's another kingdom. There's another dimension. It's the kingdom of heaven. And it is here right now. It's here right now. <clears throat> Second Kings chapter six verses 15 and 20. This is where it manifested. In the scripture, well, in many places, but I want to use this example. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. The context is the Syrian army was hunting down Elisha the prophet. And they found out where he was at, and an entire army came And not only surrounded his house, they surrounded the city so there was no way of escape. And Elisha's servant went out in the morning, and he looked up, and he looked around, and he was surrounded by an army that wanted to kill them. That's the context. And he cries out, and he says, Oh, no, my Lord! What shall we do? And the, serv- the servant asked. And Elisha responded, and he said, Don't be afraid. Hmm. That's like me saying to you, Josh's words, you've got to make a big decision. Be at peace. When the deadline's looming in. Elisha said, don't be afraid. Now, you understand, Elisha was the main one they were after. He was the main one they were after. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So the servant's looking around, and he sees thousands of soldiers with them. And he sees um, me and you and that's two. But Elisha, who's the prophet of the Lord, who doesn't lie, says to him, many are more that are with us than with them. And so Elisha prays, and he says, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. They were there the whole time. Elisha could see them, but his servant couldn't. Why? Because Elisha was tuned in to the other kingdom, so he had the ability to see, hear, and understand what his servant couldn't. His servant got stuck in what he saw. But there's hope. We pray. And God gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. Let me repeat. 1 Corinthians 13, 9. We know in part. And that's good news. In the journey of our life, Promises of guidance and victory get lost in disappointment and pain. They set us up for unbelief. We can't believe that God is good. This is where we get stuck. What we see, what we feel, and understand, perceived by our circumstances. We are reduced to the experience of our five senses and the memories we have concerning those five senses that is a dismal prospect that is not the gospel that is not the good news that Jesus offers 1 Corinthians 2:14 states but the natural unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teaching and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd and illogical to him. And he is is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated and he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. When we stay stuck in our natural mind, We we are unable to discern that other realm, the possibility of something else. And then what happens when we encounter that, that resistance, we can leave out of here enthused. We can be excited. We've had an encounter with Jesus. He's put a calling on our life. We are running our race, and bam, we hit a wall. And if we're not careful, we begin to judge that wall by what we see, what we hear, and what we feel. We do just like Elisha's servant did. I call that our meology. We create a whole new theology about who God is what he'll do based on what I am feeling, what I am seeing, what I am hearing, and we get stuck. We stand at this impenetrable wall, and that's all we can see. And we conclude, here we go again. Shouldn't have gotten my hopes up. Here we go again. I knew, I knew I wouldn't make it. Here we go again. Obviously, I must not have heard God. Here we go again. I'm stuck. And then the wheels start turning, and we try to figure out how God can be good but abandon us not be there for us. And we get stuck. We get stuck in what I see, what I hear, what I feel when I hit that wall. We get stuck. Every single one of us, if you've lived life For any length of time, you are going to hit a wall. You are going to come up against a mountain that you can't even see the top of. You are going to face Goliath, and he is going to rage. He is going to scream. He is going to taunt you and mock your relationship with Jesus and your faith, and he's going to assault the very heart of your relationship. Is God good? And is God good to you? But we don't dare ask the question out loud because we're good Christians and we're supposed to believe God's good. Inside we have a civil war because we have given ourselves over to the natural thinking of what we see and hear. And there's no way out of that when we try to figure it out in our natural self. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 and 20 in the Amplified states, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, discarding this worldly pretensions and acknowledging his lack of wisdom. So that he may become truly wise. Now, I love the words in this next line. This is what God thinks of our figuring it out. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness, absurdity, and stupidity. Before God, jump down to 20. The Lord knows the thoughts. Of the humanly wise that they are useless so why do we do it why do we do it it's like beating your head up against that wall is it isn't it why do we do that why does that become our default we start this race supernaturally it's a supernatural birth right when you're born again is that not supernatural it's not natural. You don't climb back up in your mother's womb and pop out again, right? It is a supernatural birth. So why do we start supernaturally and then live as if the only thing that exists is natural? What kind of God would birth you supernaturally and not equip you and empower you to live from that same realm? I'm trying to stick with my notes. I'm getting excited. (laughs) So let's look at a couple examples. I love these examples. So simple. This is children's church material. I love children's church. I remember the flannel graphs. I love the flannel graphs. (laughs) I am so children's church level. So let's look at a couple. John 5, 2 through 9. So this is a gentleman who was stuck. This is a gentleman who was stuck. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Some translations say he was lame. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? I used to get really mad at God on that one. Okay. (laughs) Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Okay, that's not like a little incidental note. It fed into why he was stuck. All right, so let's just look at this passage, and let's just look why he was stuck. You need to understand that when you hit a wall, you come up against a mountain, Goliath jumps in front of you with his giant sword and starts raging. It's real. It's real. The battle is fierce and it is real. But it's not the only part of the story. This man's reality was real. 38 years. Who in here is under 38 years old? Raise your hand. Good grief. least half the congregation. (laughs) You can't even conceive what I'm talking about. You don't even know what 38 years looks like. It's more than your lifetime. It's less than mine, (laughs) but it'd be a big chunk of mine. 38 years, all he knew was being lame. So it would look something like this. It would look like he could sit up. He wasn't paralyzed, he could sit up. And Sarah says, Come here, Karen. This is what it looks like, I'm going to need help getting up, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, didn't plan for that one, (laughs) because I'm more than 38 years old, (laughs) that's not so easy, Karen come here, that's a reality, thank you, that's a reality. That's a reality. I can't go get a cup of water on my own. That's that's a harsh reality. That I'm dependent upon you to even care, to even look my way, to hear me if I cry and say, can I have a cup of water? I'm thirsty. It's a harsh reality. Back in that day, tradition was that... <laughs> Sick people would go to the pool of Bethesda. They'd gather around. An angel would come down and stir the waters. We'll call it randomly. I'm sure there was a a specific timing with God, but he would come down, stir the waters. And when the waters were stirred, whoever would be the first one, I'll go on this side so my husband can help me this time. Whoever would be the first one to get into the waters would get healed. There's always somebody who could get there quicker than me because I can't get up. That's a harsh reality. Those are real circumstances. That's Goliath screaming, mocking your faith, and challenging, is God really good? Is he ever going to come through for me? And folks, if you don't have something to draw upon that is greater than your natural circumstances, you will not survive without being consumed by disappointment, hopelessness, bitterness, and futility. You've got to be able to draw on a well that is bigger than your personal experience at that moment. You've got to place your hope in something greater. The second story is Mark 2, 3 through 6. Some, some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Jesus is teaching in a house. A crowd has gathered Since they could not get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Okay, I'm going to lie down. All right, because I might really not get up. (laughs) But imagine I go from a sitting posture to laying down. What is my perspective? What do I see? I see dirt, mud, dirty, stinky feet, legs, and maybe your backside as you walk away. How far up can I see? And that's every day. My perspective never changes. Never. Because I can't even roll over. Because I'm paralyzed. Sometimes our circumstances are so fierce, so intense, not only can we not get up, we can't even look up. We can't even look up. I can't even turn my head. this message is not devoid of my own personal journey. I'm living in a season where I'm literally carried by my friends in prayer, literally. I'm up here today, carried in prayer. So I am not proposing that when we are looking to an unseen realm, that we are not caught in the tension and the ferociousness of a very real battle. But what I am proposing is that when I look at that wall, that it may not be what it appears to be. That I may not see something else that God sees. Several years ago, I had surgery on my throat, <clears> throat> thyroid surgery. They, they paralyzed the left side of my uh, throat and my vocal cords have been paralyzed. That diminished my ability to speak considerably. I used to be able, you could put me in a pretty large place and I could, without a mic, throw my voice. Because I learned how to do it, I was trained to do it. now, today, what, maybe a month or so ago, two months ago, I had a second surgery that was supposed to correct what the first surgery did. It helped with the fact that I could swallow and not choke all the time, but my voice is actually worse. So this week, as I was wrestling through, I had to face Goliath. Who was screaming at me? You may not be able to speak, and they hear and them be able to hear you. It's a very real reality. This morning he was raging as I was getting ready. He was raging, and I had to just push that off, and I, I had to turn to the Lord and say, God. What I see is my inability to speak. What I see is my inability to convey the passion of my heart through my vocal cords. Because, you know, I learned how to do that, you know? You have voice inflections, you go up, you go down. And it's not manipulation, it's genuine. Because you are communicating effectively what's in your heart what you believe God has birthed in your heart. And I had to continue my prayer with, but God, you called me to do this. I know I'm supposed to be doing this today. So I don't see anything but a wall. But I'm going to trust you're going to make a way. Somehow there's something I don't see. So I'm not in denial of my reality. I'm not proposing you be in denial of your reality. What I am suggesting is stop making agreements with the father of lies and stop living out of your natural mind and start living from the mind of Christ. You were birthed supernaturally, and there is a power, a supernatural power, that God wants to propel your life with. And the doorway in your wall is called Jesus. So here's what I could have done in a very practical way this morning. I'm not trying to indulge myself. I just, if I use me as exhibit A, none of you will get offended. But this is what I have to do, is I have to remind myself of who I really am. I'm a daughter of the king. I I belong to him. I didn't call me to preach. He called me to preach. I didn't nudge Pastor Josh. He nudged Pastor Josh. I didn't tell me to do this. He told me to do this. So it it really doesn't matter that what I'm facing is a wall. There has to be a door. I just don't see it. There has to be a door. Did you know Jesus is called the door? And so you know what I did? I just kind of went a little bit closer to him. Instead of, judging my circumstances by my past disappointments. And when I got up this morning, I didn't have a miraculously healed voice. And instead of concluding, well, I can't, I can't obey God. It's your fault, God. and Instead of stopping right there, instead of coming in here with a chip on my shoulder, and I'm like, fine, I'll obey, but... And if they don't get it, it's your fault, God. No, no, I was birthed supernaturally. There has to be a supernatural power I just haven't seen yet. I just haven't experienced yet. And I have to lay down what my picture of obeying him looks like. My expectation of being able to walk in here with total confidence, I can do this. Because the reality is I can't do this. it's not because I don't have experience. I've been in ministry almost 40 years. I've preached for probably 38 of those years. I'm older than 38. (laughs) I started when I was not so young. had to lay that down that's called the carnal mind and that's where we get sucked in and that's where we get tormented and that's where we get stuck so I faced my Goliath today and I said Jesus I don't know how you're going to do this but I'm just going to show up and you get to paint the picture however it is so, in, interestingly, you know, this church is very, very good about taking care of their guests and seeing to details. Interestingly, today, nobody handed me a mic. I was sitting there starting to panic. I'm like, God, I can't talk. So, I knew Bill handled that kind of stuff. And so, I went back, because you need to understand that just because you put Goliath down at home, he may show back up here. So I went back to Bill and I said, Bill, I don't have a mic. And of course, Bill was very gracious. When he handed me the mic, he handed me the two parts and I looked at him and he probably saw the panic in my eye and he connected it for me. (laughs) Because I'm not good with electronics. And he put that together. I grabbed one of the young ladies, and I said, please go to the bathroom with me so we can get me hooked up. And so we, we did that. And so now I have the aid of this, okay? And, but I'm leaning hard on Jesus because i got some other stuff that I'm dealing with too that makes it kind of difficult for me to be here. And so I had to trust Jesus would open a door, but I had to lay down my idea of what that was going to look like. I think it's called Reckon the Old Man Dead. The problem is, we're supernaturally birthed as a new man. We're like, "Okay, God, I am sick of carrying this burden of sin and guilt and shame. And 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 I don't want to go to hell. So I I want you to be my savior." Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll make you my Lord too. And um And so Jesus just takes this load. Oh, he takes the load. Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you so much. And then instead of letting Jesus teach us how to walk from this new realm, this supernatural realm, we go back and we grab that old Karen, we put her back on, and we just assume the way we see things is right. We don't even ask, is there another perspective? Is there something I don't see? We're supernaturally birthed through the galaxies. How soon we forget. Do you know how we get supernaturally birthed? We have to die. Wouldn't you love to be able to lay hands on somebody and raise them from the dead? You're not supposed to practice on the old man. You're not supposed to be raising him from the dead. You don't go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and there not be a death. You walk straight through the cross to the other side. Did you, do you understand that Jesus died on that cross? The exchange or the great exchange, as C.S. Lewis called it, is I exchange my life for his. This all ties in, folks, because if we realize that it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me, then I have to always ask, what is it you see that I don't see? There is a life that I can always draw upon, and my life does not have to be limited by my me How miserable and hopeless if everything in my life gets determined by what I know. Do you know how small my life is? And I'm smart. I'm not a genius. I'm intelligent. My mother's brilliant. My brother's brilliant. I'm smart. (laughs) But I'm not smart enough to fix me. And even if I come up with a plan, I can't make it happen. Because if I'm lame, I still can't make myself get up. If I'm paralyzed, I can't get up. So here is this paralyzed man being carried by his four friends. Think about it the Goliath. Oh my gosh. Do I even get my hopes up again? One more time to hope I'll get better, just to be disappointed? <sighs> then they get to the crowd. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. Of course, he didn't do this because he's paralyzed. But inside, he's going, I knew it. Why did I let them talk me into this? But remember, from his perspective, he can't see what his four friends see. He couldn't see the roof. But they could. He couldn't feel their muscles, their strength. They're strong. But they could. They have to grab some ropes so they can carry the pallet and lower it in. They've got to grab a rope to tie him up in the pallet so when they lower him, he doesn't fall. Now, do I say yes to this possibility? Or do I stay stuck? Because you see, he couldn't see any of this. But they could. Sometimes in our life, we have to borrow the faith of somebody else to get unstuck. Sometimes God brings four friends to carry you to places you can't see on your own. The God communities that He builds. God always makes a way. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that. He makes a way of escape. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this is key. This is the posture of humility. When we come before God and we say, I am bankrupt of the ability to save myself, I cannot figure out the right answer I cannot make these things happen. I am totally devoid of the ability to do this on my own. That's poor in spirit. But God, you're not. And so God, would you help me see what you see? Would you help me hear what you hear? And would you help me understand what you understand? Ephesians 6, 13 and 14 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand to withstand the evil in the day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. I'd like to propose there's a greater truth than your experiential truth. And I would like to invite you today to come out of the smallness of your life and your experiential truth. The experiential truth that defines the parameters of the beginning and the ending of your existence, the greatness or the smallness of your identity, and your future. I'd like to say, I don't care what your wall is, I don't care what the mountain is, or what the Goliath, there is a door, And in that door, there are possibilities that you are not considering. And if you take any other posture other than, I am poor in spirit, I am devoid of the ability to save myself, it's pure pride. I think God called it absurd and stupid. The only appropriate posture, I I don't see it, God, I don't have a clue, comma, but you do. Don't put a period after, this is what I see, this is all I know, period, put a comma, but God, you created me. And there is a supernatural realm that runs through me. And so, God, I don't know how to do this. All I know is I don't have what it takes, so I'm going to turn to you, and I'm going to say, God, show me where the door is. Show me what the possibilities are. Because we only know in part. In the original scripture that I read to you, I'd like to read the whole context. I'm coming to near a close. 1 Corinthians 13, 9, 12. I didn't say close because then I have to do it about five times. And so I'm coming near a close. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as also as I am known. Proverbs 25.2, the glory of God is to conceal a matter but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. God's not doing that because he's trying to keep secrets. He's doing that because he wants you to come spend time with him. If you want to know the secrets of his heart, the mysteries of his kingdom, come spend time with him. The mirror is Jesus, and it's his word. If you want to get unstuck, if I want to get unstuck, I have to look outside of myself and what I see, hear, feel, taste, and smell. I have to look at that wall and say, yes, I see a wall, comma, but what do I don't, what what is it I don't see? what do you see and you find that in his presence colossians 1:27 states to them god willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the gentiles which is christ in you the hope of glory it's not you don't have to go to some place you go to him he's telling us I want to show you, but we have to reckon this dead, and we have to allow him to renew our minds and transform our hearts and minds with the realities of the kingdom which are greater than the realities in front of us. This is how we find the way of escape. Remember, we only know in part. And you have no idea the picture that God may be painting that you can't see, the imagination of God on your behalf. You see a wall, and he sees a rocket ship. You see a wall, and he sees the galaxies in front of you. Ephesians 3, 19, 21, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and to do superabundantly more than all that we dare, ask, or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Is there anything not contained in that that God does not have the ability to get you an answer with? It's above and beyond anything you could ask or think. You know, on a good day, I've got a pretty awesome imagination. I can think of some fabulous things And I can be pretty creative in that imagination. Oh, the places I go, the things that I do. The promise contained in this passage is as wild as my imagination is, God's wilder. It's bigger, it's better, there's more. He's saying, Karen, you see the rocket ship now, but I'm telling you what, there's a whole lot more. A whole lot more. I am coming to a close at this point. So let me be, I want to be really clear here. The challenge isn't feel good about your wall. Skip and act like Goliath isn't there. No, 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 that's not the challenge. The challenge is, will you not agree with the father of lies about what that wall means and who God is and who you are? So when you hit the wall, is it really a wall or is it an invitation? I like superheroes. I never liked superheroes until just recently, and I'm with a group of people who like superheroes. And I fell in love with superheroes. I will tell you, this is a confession, who my favorite superhero is, and it's the Hulk. I love the Hulk. For various reasons, I love the Hulk. Sometimes it helps me, uh, let me put it like this I identify him with him when I get really frustrated. And then I imagine the Hulk taking care of the demigods that come against me, like that. And somehow that makes me feel better. And in my weakness, I imagine the supernatural power of Jesus, like the Hulk. Do not, I'm not saying the Hulk is Christian. (laughs) I'm not saying the Hulk is saved or that you need to pattern your life after the Hulk. I just like the Hulk. I like how he gets things done. I like when Goliath comes. (laughs) He just stomps him. He's like, I am not going to entertain this. I like that. And I'm looking forward to uh, this day On my wall, when I get to don the cape and God places me in a place I didn't even know existed. I didn't even know there was a top to that wall that had a ledge. That's what I'm looking forward to. So as we end, your wall is not the end unless you make it the end. Your wall is an invitation, and the one who stands by you, in front of you is the same one who stood in front of the man at the pool of Bethesda, and his name is called Door, and he is the door of the invitation of every single possibility in your life. And I entreat you today, to be willing to humble yourself, I don't see it all. And Jesus, I need you to show me what I don't see. Let's stand.
1: Josh,
2: um, <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing that. Um, so, I, with Josh's permission, he's the pastor, with Josh's permission, I'd like to lead you as a congregation or something. There's going to be time, if you want individual ministry, if you have found yourself stuck and you just need a little bit of extra prayer, like Elisha's servant did, for someone to just to pray and say, Jesus, help them see what they don't see, hear what they don't hear. Because sometimes we just need those four friends. I don't think this was an accident at all for your church. You're facing a very real decision. And Jesus has a very real answer. So as a congregation, I'm going to ask you if you would do something. And it's about the question, where do we go? Are we supposed to stay here? Are we supposed to go somewhere else? And how? What does that look like? And then after that, our ministry team will come up. And um, if you want individual prayer, you can come up for individual prayer. But I like to do, remember, you're so sweet. (laughs) I like to do simple acts of faith because they help me. That's why I like Children's Church. You know, Father Abraham, Yeah, It reminds me. It helps me remember. I relate to those simple things. And so you all are facing a very real decision. You have to make a decision, but you don't have the answer. You're up against a wall. You've got a time crunch. You've got to answer it, right? You, but you don't have the answer, right? So what if we took the posture... I don't know what the answer is. Not rocket science. I don't know what the answer is. Could we come out of our human reasoning? Because you've got brilliant people in here, and you are, you've done your due diligence, you've done your research. It'll cost you this to do this, it'll cost you this to do this. It's all good. But we need God. We need to see the door. We need to make room for the rocket ship. We need to make room for the cape. There are possibilities there. God birthed this church. God birthed this church. This is God's church. He's got a plan, but we just don't know what it is, right? So I'm going to ask you to do this with me. This is us uniting together And what this act is going to do is we are going to say, we're going to confess, we're going to humble ourselves, say, God, we don't know what to do. But we have this big wall in front of us called a decision. And we need you to show us what you see. We need to hear what you hear. And we need a heart to understand what you understand. And so after we confess, what I'd like for you to do is just turn this way. Face this way. This way. This way represents us trying to figure it out. This is our human reasoning. Okay? And so I'm going to confess, and you can just join right in with me, out loud, to yourself, whatever. Jesus I don't know what to do. I have a wall in front of me that demands an answer, and it all feels impossible because I don't know what to do. So I'm going to lay that down. Now turn the opposite way. Jesus, show me where the door is. Help me see what you see. Help me hear what you hear. Give me a heart to understand. In Jesus' name. Amen. You just corporately repented. And you just opened the door for God to reveal. Now, don't go back and pick up because the word is be at peace. Be at peace. Lean into him. Lean into him. If um, our team will come up, if you're here today, I'll clo- I'm closing with this, with the invitation, and you can't see the door, but you you need the door. You realize I'm tired of trying to figure this out. I can't save myself. And I need a door. And Jesus, I need you to show me where the door is. Please feel free to come up to any of the individuals up here. We've got teams of two that are working together. These folks are the most anointed folks you'll ever meet just cause they keep reaching for the door. So I just wanna invite you.
0: Father, I pray that you would go with us, go before us, be with us, guide us. In Jesus' name, we thank you so much for every good gift it is from you. You're already a great father, regardless of what happens next. But we're looking for open doors, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.